They are NFL <laughs> champions. The Seattle Seahawks have won Super Bowl 48. As part of our nonstop coverage of the NFL, this is Softy's weekly visit with Kevin Harlan. The bulldozer. He's a beast. Brought to you by the Emerald Queen Casino, the betting capital of the Northwest. He was like a pinball banging off buddies. A 23-yard catch and run. Come down to the beautiful EQC Sportsbook to bet, watch, and win all season long. It's a touchdown. It's a touchdown. It's grabbed by Curse. On Sports Radio 93.3, KJR-FM. Tyler Bass will try a 44-yard field goal to tie. The wind at his back. The snap is good. The ball put down. The kick is up. and No good. Wide right. Wide right. The Bills kicker missed a field goal. Wide right. Jubilation for the Chiefs sideline. Bass missing wide right from 44. What a call by our guy every week. We get a chance to talk to, let's face it, the premier play-by-play man American sports has to offer from the NFL on Westwood One, the NFL on CBS, courtesy of the Emerald Queen Casino. It's our friend Kevin Harlan. Kevin, how are you, pal? Great call, by the way, buddy. Great call. Oh, thank you. know, I, I felt uh, anybody that was there and saw the reaction of those poor fans who have had wide right ingrained in their heads uh, another divisional playoff loss at home mm. uh, is crushing. It is. It's. It's hard to. It's. It is, it is hard to watch these fans and the Bills in that community mean everything. I mean, they are a family. That that city and that team. There is a connection that is very rare, even in colleges, in college towns, and co- the, the, the Bills in that area are just they're so intertwined. And to see them lose that way, and of course the wide right happening, and that was just a tie. Now that wasn't to take the win, and there was a minute forty three left. So had they hit the field goal, uh, Mahomes would have had a minute forty three and two timeouts, and and who knows what he would have done. But, uh, oh, that was painful. And to see their reaction, it was crushing. It was. And I don't, have a, I don't really have a dog in the fight. But, yep. boy, it was, it was you, you, you wouldn't have been a human being if you didn't feel for them and their anguish and their sorrow. It was hard. Well, why, why do you think it's been so difficult for Buffalo? They got this great quarterback, and they just cannot. Is it is it just because it just times up with Mahomes and the in the AFC at the same time? Why has it been so hard to get this thing done? Well, I think you're onto something. I think there's a lot of the Chiefs, and they're they're like a they're like a supernova man. They they are they're they're unbelievable. They've been to three of the last four Super Bowls. They, we're we're going to look back, and this is a dynastic situation. We saw it with the Cowboys and the. 90s. We saw it certainly with the Patriots in the 2000s and into the you know in the last decade. You know they were they were you know the team. We hit 2020 and uh, 2019. The Chiefs now are are the team, and we had the team of the the Niners. You know in, in the 80s and 70s, Pittsburgh, and but the Chiefs they got a 27 year old quarterback and a mid aged. Uh, he's in his mid 60s. Uh, head coach, they, they, and they draft well, and they've got young, good players. Uh, they're not going away. So it's Mahomes, it's Allen, it's Joe Burrow, yep. and um, and it's Lamar. And those four quarterbacks are going to be linked for the next 10 years, and we're going to see this all the time. They're going to ping-pong off each other all the time, and, and, and it's just who's got the, the game that particular day that can outduel the other. But, man, oh, man, it's – uh, this is the golden age of these quarterbacks. There's some terrific guys. We've had Brady Manning. We've had some good matchups. But these four AFC quarterbacks, they're all roughly the same age, same number of years. Uh, we've had a couple MVPs. We have a couple guys that are on the verge of that but couldn't get over the the top, like Burrow and, and Allen. Uh, you know, Cincinnati has been to the Super Bowl. Uh, Baltimore could go to a Super Bowl. Chiefs have been to three in the last four. Buffalo has been the team on the outside looking in, and I can't. I don't know why. Now they had they had like four offensive, they had four defensive starters that were out, and they were important players: a shutdown corner, an All-Pro linebacker, a, a rising star, leading tackler uh, as another linebacker. They were short, 
Uh, but you know what? A lot of teams are shorthanded, yeah. and, and they can find a way, and the Bills have just not found a way. All right. Uh, the legendary voice of Kevin Harlan <laughs> with us on the radio show. Uh, I, I did notice, and I wonder if that was, Kevin, kind of the end of the big window for Buffalo to get to a Super Bowl and win it. And I bring that up because Josh Allen's cap number this year was $18.6 million, which is 8.2% of the salary cap. Next year, it goes to $47 million, 19% of the cap. Did Buffalo just blow maybe their last great chance to get to a Super Bowl with Josh Allen as their quarterback? Well, I don't know. I mean, you, you bring up a, a fascinating thing. A lot of these teams, when they got this lightning in the bottle, these young quarterbacks, uh, Kansas City was was like this as well. They they tried to tie up guys to longer term contracts that were good and facing that thing before Mahomes' big numbers kicked in. And um, and the Chiefs, you you can see the Chiefs were clunky this season. They did not have their normal year. They did not have the money to spend on on bigger name free agents, and 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 they had to survive with. Young players, they'd sign off the street, maybe getting a guy off waivers, uh, drafting a player, and, and all the growing pains that, that, that ensue there. Um, so you're talking about, you know, a, a window, and that's a good term you use there, when your quarterback is not, he, maybe he has signed the big deal, but it doesn't kick in until next year. Yep. Um, that's what the Bills are going to face, what the Chiefs went through this year. They could not retain some of the great players that they've had. You've just got to hope to hell they can they can draft like crazy. And you hope that these draft choices produce. And you hope you get lucky with the kid you sign off the street. And maybe a free agent you invite to camp. Maybe a guy you develop. But that's the world that the Chiefs and the Bills and soon to be the Ravens, when these big contracts kick in, um, it, it, it's a game changer. And, and we'll find out just how good these – these front offices are. Yeah. Mm. Well, Kevin Harlan's with us, and, and now they get to run to a buzzsaw, Kansas City. I mean, Baltimore has just been, let's face it, they've been annihilating everybody uh, in the month of December. I know they rested everybody and they lost the last game, but they've been blowing people out of the water, including San Francisco. Uh, should Chief fans be nervous, and how nervous should they be about Baltimore at Baltimore Sunday? Well, I, I think this is going to be a tough one. I, uh, it feels harder than even Buffalo, to my, uh, you know, my way of thinking. That, yeah. Uh, you've got the MVP. He's at the top of his game. Um, they've been a consistently good team all season. They've won big games. Um, this rest in players and having the bye, I don't know that I'm all into that. I, I think it takes guys out of the rhythm. As much as – is a team needs rest and guys to get healthy, and I totally get it, and it's all understandable. Sometimes that rest and getting out of routine, it's more harmful than anything else. And and I could sense with San Francisco and maybe early on, first half with Baltimore, that getting that by wasn't all it was cracked up to be. Uh, maybe they got some guys healthy, good for them. They should, and that's what they've earned, a week off. Uh, but a lot of them are resting, that, as you say, in that last final eight week 18 of the NFL regular season. So it's like they've had kind of a couple weeks off, and it, 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 I think it takes a while to kind of get back in the back in the saddle. And so I think both the Niners and the Ravens will play even better this week than they did last week. Yeah, and it, it just feels like we're headed to there. Um, I don't know how the Chiefs mentally. I think they're mentally exhausted. Number one, they've been in so many big games over the last four years. They're they're exhausted. They, they, they and and the regular season showed that it was hard to get their focus. They were everybody's big game on the schedule, and they got everybody's big shot. Then the postseason came along, and they said, you know what? Let's, let's let it rip here. Let, let's, let's, let's get a second wind, and I think they did, and they beat Miami in minus 27-degree weather. They went on the road. They won their first playoff game with Mahomes, first time ever, um, and, and, and they beat the Bills. Um, do they have enough left in the tank emotionally uh, to go against what is going to be their toughest challenge for sure? And that is the Ravens. So I'm, I'm, this, this game uh, is going to be difficult for the yeah, Chiefs. Yeah. And I think this game is going to be difficult for San Francisco, too. I think Detroit comes in, and I was worried more about Detroit, not week one, when, 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 they, when they won that playoff game against the Rams and their former quarterback, Matthew Stafford. I, I, I was wondering about the, the emotional letdown, because when they won that home playoff game for the first time in decades, literally decades, um, 
Human nature would tell you a letdown. Exhale. And I think they may have a little bit against the Buccaneers early. They, they regained their traction. They handled them. I think they're back on track. They know how big this game is. Good to have a road playoff game against a, a juggernaut like the Niners. But I think, I think Detroit will give San Francisco everything they can handle. I think it's too close to call. I don't agree wow. on the line. Wow. I, think, I think that's wrong. Mm. I think it's wrong. I do. I, I, I think if, especially if Debo Samuel is out, and and I and I, I know that today was was the first practice day. I think he was limited or didn't practice at all. It's not fractured the shoulder. I, he's not going to be a hundred percent. He is so important for that team. He makes their offense special. Their offense is good. He makes it special. And if he's not playing, they're a different offense. Yeah. And and I just I I just think this game is going to be closer than people think. Well, America and God want the Lions to win this game on Sunday. <laughs> Just so you know. Everybody outside of does, Santa does, Clara. Does God, does God drive a Ford? Does he drive a Ford Explorer? Maybe he does. We don't know. God he is might. a Lions fan, Kevin. He's a Lions fan this Sunday because I'm I'm a fan of fan bases that pay their dues, baby. And no fan base in football has paid their dues more than Detroit Lion fans. So you're telling me that you close your eyes and you can actually envision Jared Goff and Dan Campbell walking out of Levi Stadium at, let's say, 6.30 Pacific time on Sunday with the NFC Championship trophy. They have two McCaffreys. They've got a Kittle at tight end. They've got an elite wide receiver, one of the top five in the league. They've got a quarterback who's already been to a Super Bowl. Um, uh, they've got a playmaking defensive end. They got uh, Gardner Johnson back in the secondary. Um, I, I I see uh, all the things I need to see to say that I would be. I I don't see a blowout either way. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm 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 horrible at these projections. I just think without Debo Samuel. They're, they're, it's not the same. And, and I think that uh, when he's healthy and playing well, that is, a, that is the best offense, best team in pro football. When he's not playing uh, or below his uh, you know, physical tolerance, um, I, I see a different kind of offense. Mm. Um, I, I, see, I see the Lions playing a very solid game. I see the Chiefs playing a very solid game. We, we listen. These are the four teams that I think everybody expected to see at various stages of the season. I think to begin the season, if you said these four, you'd say mm, I can see that. Middle of the season, definitely can see it. Three quarters of the way through, that yeah, but the Niners have lost three. Detroit looks a little skimpy. Chiefs look they're they're not playing well at all. Yeah. Um, Baltimore's playing well. Uh, these are the four teams. That, that we that we want to be here right now. Well, you're going to see Ben Johnson on Sunday. He's the offensive coordinator for the Lions, um, and he's on the Seahawks list uh, for a coach to replace Pete Carroll. Uh, if a Seahawks fan were to ask you, what do you make of this 36, 37-year-old wonder kid that's running the Lions offense right now? What would you say about him? Well, uh, a huge sign to me was when he was being pursued last year as a head coach. He said, no, I, I, I'm going to stay with Detroit. We're, we're on the verge of something special. Mm-hmm. I've got everything lined up here, and I'm going to stay. A lot of guys wouldn't have done that. A lot of guys jump. And he decided to stay when he could have had one. He, 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 I, I think he knew, I want another year of seasoning. Uh, I'm working with a great situation. I've got complete control of the offense. Um, let me do what, what I what I do, and let me get more mature, better feel, uh, you know, and all that. And and I, I think it has paid off. He is as valuable now as he was last year, probably more so now. So that was a huge sign to me that this guy thinks the right way. He's investing in himself by staying one more year, and it paid off. So I think uh, I, I think any of these young coaches, when we saw young Sean McVay. When we saw a young Matt LaFleur, when we saw a young Zach Taylor at Cincinnati, I think it's the same with all these guys. On paper, one-on-one, they check every box. You just don't know 
how they're going to respond when they're in a completely different role. They're a coordinator coming from this team. Now I'm making them a head coach. That move is monumental. You don't know how they lead. Um, you got to feel for it. You, you, you know, he's, he seems to make sense. It seems to make sense with me. What I'm looking for, the optics are there. Yeah. But you really don't know until you actually get in the foxhole with them. Hey, I got to ask you before you go, Kevin. Uh, I mean, we have a wonderful, tremendous opportunity here uh, to pick your brain about the NBA. So I have to take advantage of it. I can't just let this opportunity slip away. The Bucks <laughs> fired their head coach, Adrian Griffin, after 43 games. Uh, they have the second best record in the Eastern Conference. Now CNN, of all outlets, is reporting that your your former guy, Doc Rivers, right? I think you worked with Doc for a while. You you you, you know Doc. Is gonna Three take, years. Yeah. Three, yeah. He's, yeah. he's going to take over as the coach of the Bucks. And the first thing that we thought of here is that, well, Giannis and uh, Lillard must have run the guy out of there. How do you fire a guy who's 30 and 13? Well... It's a player's league, and when you've got Giannis Antetokounmpo and Damian Lillard and another all-star, Chris Middleton, out there, and one of the best rim protectors and the shot-blocking leader in the league and Lopez and solid guys like Portis coming off the bench, it's not hard to see why. Their defense is worse because Drew Holiday was traded. Holiday is one of the best, most versatile two-way players in the NBA. He's now at Boston. That's why their defense is so good all of a sudden. So they lost him. They traded, they traded that guy for that guy. They traded um, not one-on-one, but a part of the deal is they said, Holiday's gone, we're trading him, we're getting Lillard, and they had to make a sign to Giannis, who at the end of last season, after losing in the first round, was uh, completely upset, didn't see the path forward, and they had to get another big-time scoring all-star at his side, and they had to make the move. Um, and then, inexplicably, they got rid of the head coach because someone had to be blamed for losing in the first round with Giannis Antetokounmpo. And so they let the, the, the championship head coach go. When in reality was, uh, they just me- needed to make a few tweaks here and there. They went on a limb, took a chance on a young coach who wasn't, in, in retrospect, probably wasn't ready. It was, uh, we did several Bucks games. He is a terrific guy. He knows the game. I don't know if the presence portion was there, but I knew the defense wouldn't because they've lost their best defender in, in Drew Holiday. So it, it, it's just the way this league is. And that guy's going to get paid off now for the next four years. Yep. He can go and, 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 and enjoy his life. He can be a free, unpaid assistant someplace. He can do whatever he wants to do. Good for him. Um, and if it's Doc Rivers, Doc is an organizer. And the one thing on his record, which doesn't show, he's only taken one good team to a finals, and that was Boston when he won a championship. Yeah, He has not been able to replicate that with the Clippers when he had three All-Stars. Uh, couldn't do it uh, with Philadelphia, with Embiid and Harden. And so I think there's even some question, is Doc the right choice? I personally think he is. Now that they're making the move, I think he's the perfect voice at the right time for that team. Kevin Harlan, great stuff. Enjoy the game Sunday, and remember, uh, go with God and root for the Lions on Sunday. Do the right thing, all right? <laughs> we'll see you. I always follow your lead. Thank you. <laughs> you're, 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 you're at the right hand of that man. I, uh, I always appreciate being on with you, so I'll be, I've, take care. I'll I've never you steered week. you wrong, and I never will. Kevin Harlan <laughs> with us. He's got the uh, Niners-Lions on Sunday. we got that game on 950 because of Kraken Hockey Sunday afternoon. And don't forget Chiefs-Ravens on the FM stick on Sunday at 12 o'clock, and we'll be at the Emerald Queen Casino for all of it, by the way, on Sunday. We're going to break. A lot more coming up on a busy Wednesday right here on 93.3 KJRFM. This is your home for the Huskies, the Kraken, the NHL playoffs, and Super Bowl 58. Sports Radio 93.3, KJR-FM. Now back to Softy and Dick. Hey, Soren Petro from Games. When does it end? When does the train come to an end? Will it be seven years and seven title games? Will it be nine? Will it be 10? Will it be 15, 30, 40? Will he play until he's 90? When does it end? When do we wake up on a conference championship Sunday, guys, and not see Patrick Mahomes starting for the Kansas City Chiefs? I hope never. (laughs) Because he's my favorite non-Seahawk player in I don't even know how. Wow. 
Jeez. I don't even know how long. Yeah. I root for every single Chiefs game that mm. they play. Wow. I would just ask... Why? <laughs> what is there not to like about Patrick Mahomes? I don't like, know. Honestly, he, he whined quite a bit after. A, a, I mean, a, what was that game that they lost? Who were they playing when they, there was the bad call that late in the game? Yeah, which was yeah. highly unlike him. Which I thought was totally, it was totally rational for him to whine about that game. It's not like he's pulling it every single week. Okay. Who did he? Um, it's weird to me. I think you got to stretch really to find something bad about Patrick Who did Mahomes. he? Uh, was it the? It was the Buffalo game, the first game with the Bills, right? It was in uh, December when he when yeah. he, when he when he bitched at Josh Allen. That's right. And yeah. then said he apologized no, right. for it, yeah. right? And what? Well, you're right. It was totally out of character for him. No question. I mean, look, I I I would probably agree with most of what you're saying. I don't think there's really anything wrong with the guy. I mean, I I love the fact that he's had the same girlfriend now wife since high school. I mean, that's awesome that he's been with her for as long as he has. I think that's really cool. I honestly think that for a guy like that in his position, there's not a lot of guys in the NFL that could handle that and yeah. stay with the same woman for that long. I mean, he's he was with her before he became Patrick Mahomes. You know, he was yeah. obviously Patrick Mahomes, Texas Tech and whatever, and was a star and all that, but not like he is now. Right. Signed a half a billion dollar contract, for God's sakes, and he's still with her which I think is really cool. Um, the way that he's embraced this whole thing in Kansas City, uh, I think his commercials are funny as hell on TV. I think he's great for the sport. Um, I don't think you're crazy at all. I just think in, an, what you just in an era of social media mm -hmm. where everybody just tries to tear you down, there's nothing to tear down about Patrick Mahomes. Right. The, you know what the worst thing I've heard about Patrick Mahomes the last six months is? Mm. He's on TV too much. I've never. Uh, There's too many commercials with Patrick. Mo like, really? That's the criticism. There's too many commercials. Yeah. With, well, I've heard that about Kelsey too. If he was too a, many commercials. If he was a d bag and annoying and of all course. that, I could see maybe somebody complaining about that. You know, I think he's a Hall of Famer right now. Right now, like if he's he if, retired if tomorrow, he said tomorrow. You know what? I yes. I I don't want to do this anymore. I'm concerned for my health. I'm done. I think he's a lock for the Hall of Fame today. Oh, he's done more. At the quarterback position, yeah. than Barry Sanders yeah. did at the running back position, yeah. and Barry yeah. Sanders in the Hall of Fame. I'm trying to think of because uh, I've had non-Mariner baseball players that I loved. You guys know what a big fan of McGuire I was growing up as a kid, um, but I've never really had. I think a football player, maybe Walter Payton back in the day. So, but I've never really had a guy like that where I it's 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 obvious that that is my favorite non-Seahawk player ever i don't know if i really have one i think with my generation maybe maybe just not my generation you know dick you might be able to weigh in on this too fantasy football plays a very large part in players that i love outside of the seahawks <laughs> i've had josh you only like him for a year right because so, you only have him for a year well, unless so, you're in dynasty i was just league. gonna say i've had well that too but like i've had josh allen on my teams we don't have a dynasty league on my teams for like three of the last four years and I, I saw a video this last week where he recognized Steven Hauschka who hasn't seen apparently in like a couple of years and he goes over and spends some time with, with Hauschka's family mm. and I just like that's why I love Josh I, Allen. I really like Josh Allen too and maybe if Josh Allen had the sustained success that Patrick Mahomes did. Maybe I'd like him just as much as Patrick now, Mahomes. There's nothing to dislike about Josh, Josh Allen either. Here's the thing with Mahomes, though. He almost has like a little bit of like late 90s, early 2000s Yankees-Braves effect where he's just in everything. It just yeah. It's sort of, I'm just tired of seeing Patrick mm. Mahomes. Mm. You ask the question, Softy, when does it end? I really hope it ends this year. <laughs> I'm, I'd like to see some fresh blood. I love that you know we have Lamar Jackson, Jared right, Goff. Right. I haven't seen them. Well, you know like, what? Uh, the Chiefs were the fresh blood when he took over. Because yeah. remember, for a year he sat behind Alex Smith, and then he became the starting quarterback in year two, and they've been off and running ever since then. So and they, they hadn't been in the Super Bowl in they 50 were, years. Right, they were the, the, uh, they the, were? the fresh blood. They, they were kind of like, I mean, I would say the Lions and Browns, but they've never been there. But they were kind of like the Lions yes. and Browns. They've been so damn long, people had forgotten about Kansas City even being in the game. I think the fresh blood, the next fresh blood in the NFL, to me, it's obvious who it is Ravens. now. It's the Chargers. Herbert. Oh. Chargers now. This year. Yep. Well, I mean, Baltimore kind of, with the 2000 team, right? But they never do anything in the, in the playoffs. the 2012 team, right? That played San Francisco. Yeah. I mean, they've won a title basically every 12, 11 years yeah. they've won a championship. I gotcha. And now they have another chance to do it with John Harbaugh. The next great thing, and there's always, there's always somebody who takes the spot of the former king.
That's the way the NFL works, Absolutely. right, with the parody. And I'm telling you right now, Jim Harbaugh is going to kill it in L.A., and the Chargers are going to be in the Super Bowl within three years, if not sooner. I think They are the next fresh blood. I think you're exactly right. Now, the only thing going against the Chargers that, that the Chiefs have been able to withstand a right. little bit is the fact that their quarterback's making a lot of money. Sure. Usually the fresh blood is this young quarterback that's not making any money, a.k.a. Russell Wilson, yeah. and he starts the, the mini little dynasty, and then he ends up making money, and they don't do anything anymore. The Chiefs have been able to withstand it, whereas the other teams haven't. But I still yeah. don't think yeah. we're to the point where Patrick Mahomes is making as much as he's going to make. Right, well, I have to take a look yeah. at his contract. He's going to sign another deal. And I think that, they, did they not just restructure his deal like a year ago or something like that? I thought they tweaked it a little bit. Let me take a look. Somebody, uh, I, I thought they did. They changed it a little bit. And I think that they want him to be the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. Well, his cap hit goes from 37 to 57. Right, but that's oh. going to change, though. They're going to restructure yeah, all that stuff. I'm not saying it'll to. change now, but it'll it'll be restructured. There's going to be tweaks and deals done to that contract that will make it a lot more manageable because he's not stupid. He knows they have to make sure to get talent. I mean, where would they be without Travis Kelsey? Where would they have been without Tyreek Hill? They've always had a good defense since he's been there, obviously. Well, this is the best right. one. And they, but they've had a good one, right? And now they have a great one. So, I don't know, dude. I mean, I'm with you. I like the guy a lot. I just I, I don't have enough room in my brain to really get that emotional about a non-Seattle player. It's just the way I am. And if I were a Chiefs fan, I would this guy would I would name my dog after him, right? I, I I would have kids just so I could name them after Patrick Mahomes. I'm 50 years old, and I would literally go adopt a baby just so I could <laughs> name it Patrick after Patrick Mahomes. I mean, how many how many kids are being named oh, Patrick absolutely. in Kansas City? How many dogs are being named Mahomes? Kelsey, whatever, because of the run these guys are on. And you know what pisses me off, by the way, mm-hmm. as I transition here for a second? I just got a phone call during the break from our buddy Ryan Fowler in Tuscaloosa. Ryan Fowler? He cannot believe the access that he's getting with Kalen DeBoer right now. Cannot believe it. So I connected those two, mm-hmm. and I said, Kalen, meet Ryan. Ryan, meet Kalen, because I like Ryan, and I want Ryan to have kind of an upper hand with the Alabama media. There's a lot of them down there, by the way. He says he's texting him all the time. He said no. He didn't even know Nick Saban. Nick Saban had no idea who he was for 17 years in Tuscaloosa, and he's had more contact with Kalen DeBoer in a week than he has Nick Saban in a decade. His mind is blown. Doesn't he can't believe me. it. And now Jamarcus Shepard announced he's going to Alabama. The word is Grub and Huff for going to Alabama. That guy is going to be like a pig in poop with this staff, and that's what bums me out. There's a part of that that really does bum me out. I'll be honest with you guys. Because we had a lot of access with that staff. We could call Kalen or Grubb or Shepard or Huff or Inge Morrell and get them on the show whenever we wanted to. Mm -hmm. Shoot them a text, boom, they're on. And they're not dumb. They know that that helps to be out there and be vocal. Which is why I'd understand why more coaching staff. I I don't get it either. I don't get it either, man. I mean, Mike Holmgren, Lorenzo Romar, Kalen DeBoer. Those are the three guys that I've worked with that, to me, yep. understood the media and how to play the media and how to embrace the media. And the biggest example of how that works is Lorenzo Romar, because Lorenzo Romar didn't win jack for five years, and nobody bothered him. Mm-hmm. Nobody bothered him. And then when it got too much, after they got buried by 40 by UCLA, remember yep. that game? It just said, okay, this is, it's, it's time to go. He knew it was time to go. Jen knew it was time to go. Everybody knew it was time to go. But you got guys like that that just, they, they look you in the eye, they know your name, they address you by your name, they treat you with respect, they're available, they're vocal, they'll give you all the access that you want to have. And I feel bad for this show in some ways because we really had a great thing going with that previous staff. Well, we got to do the same I thing I don't know with what Fish. Jed Fish is like. I have no idea. We can only try. I hope he is like that. Yeah. Jed Fish can come on this show whenever he wants. Scotty Graham, the new coaches, Pow Pow and Doherty, who we know from previous regimes, they can come on the air whenever they want. Nothing changes from our perspective. I don't know why they wouldn't want to. This is the one show on Seattle radio that goes heavy (laughs) Husky football. Of course. I know other shows talk about Husky football, but this is the one show on Seattle sports radio that goes heavy Husky football. Why wouldn't you want to be a part of that show? Uh, you would think, but you know they don't know, right? I don't know Jed Fish. He doesn't know me. Nope. He doesn't know you. He has no idea what's going you on met him here once. in Seattle. That was I, it. I've only met him one time, and he was fabulous. So mm-hmm. I don't. I, I hope nothing changes from our you know aspect. And like I, I get it. The fans, for the most part, listeners, 
don't care about any of that stuff. I'm just trying to be a little personal but here. But they get access to him through right. us, though. And that's that's you, good for them. Take you behind the scenes that I, I, I was super bummed out when this staff left because they were the most accessible, yeah. the best staff as far as uh, accessibility. They're great dudes, all of them. And working with them was awesome. It was awesome getting to cover this staff. And somebody hit me up on Twitter and said, what about Don James? You should be ashamed. I never worked with Don James like that. He but was Don gone. James was not that way to the no, media. No, he wasn't. But I never worked with them. I, I mean, I, I, I wasn't here. I, I, I was three years away. 94. The year after Don James left is the year I came to KJR. So I never had a chance to work with that staff back in the day. All I can do is tell you from experience. And my experience is that the staff at UW was awesome. Great dudes, great accessibility, great to work with, and always a pleasure every single day. So we'll see. I'm hoping the new staff is the exact same way and nothing changes. 540, uh, Seren Petro from Kansas City going to join us and talk about the guy that Jackson Feltz hates, Patrick Mahomes, at 6 right here on 93.3 KJRFM. <laughs> this is your home for the Huskies, the Kraken, the NHL playoffs, and Super Bowl 58. Sports Radio 93.3 KJRFM. Now back to Softy and Dick. You guys realize what happens uh, one month from today? Any idea? One, one month, month from today, yes. February twenty. Actually, I do. Right, one month from the day, Dick. Don't don't ruin the surprise, Dick Fane. One month from one pitchers month and catchers. From the day. Nope, 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 nope. One month from the day, Jackson. The Feltz. Seattle Sounders open up the two thousand and twenty four season at LAFC. Not what I'm thinking about. Is that right? Not what, what I'm is. Thinking, not what I'm thinking so about. Jackson's correct. February twenty fourth is the first Mariner spring training game against the White Sox. Oh. Well, that was close. Well, not really. I mean, pitchers and catchers report like tomorrow. I mean, right? It's coming up very soon. (laughs) The first spring training game is one month away. We're actually doing the fan base a favor. What is the anticipation level for Mariner baseball right now compared to where it was a year ago at this time? Oh, less than a year ago. A year ago at this time. (laughs) 54% of our games. Because I think a year ago at this time, weren't we still waiting for the designated hitter? Like, that we were going to get the designated hitter. He he was coming, right? It was like Amazon was going to bring the package, and then all we got was Cooper Hummel and A.J. Pollock. Right. Right? right? Uh, Who was the other guy? Who was the guy that I went off on, or not went off on, but I busted Jerry's balls about at Jimmy's that one day? Who was the guy? Tommy LaStella. Tommy That's Lestella. the guy. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, maybe by this time a year ago, we kind of were, we knew the roster was done, that this is it. I mean, who else is really out there? I don't know if anybody was even out there. Right now, there's a lot of guys out there yeah. still available in free agency. So, yeah, dude, we're like, a, we are literally a month away, 30 days away from the Mariners' first spring training game. And I'm curious what the anticipation level is like, because it's always something that, Back in the day when I was a kid, you would hear that da 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 baseball tonight theme on ESPN, and that's where you get really excited, really turned on. Oh, here we go, man! We gotta, we're getting close. Peter Gammons. Yeah, I don't know if you do that anymore. I don't know what kids do these days. I'm not sure if there's something that that, like a like a you know a a mile marker for them, like the baseball tonight theme. But it's it's just it stinks that we should be sitting here thrilled for the start of spring training. I'm I'm fired up for it. I'm excited for it. But, man, it doesn't feel like it did a year ago. I don't think we're going to stink at all. I think we're going to be in the playoff race all season long, so that will at least maintain my interest in this baseball team. Mm-hmm. Now, if, if, what, <laughs> if what Jim Bowden is talking about yes. is percolating right. and what he's talking about is a potential Mariner trade of a pitcher mm-hmm. for a hitter and then they sign Blake Snell. All right, first of all, timeout. If that happens. Timeout. What? We everybody's been talking about that. Yeah, but when Jim Why are we Bowden giving says it on guy, Twitter, I'm giving him more credit than you and me. No, it's not just you and me. There's been a t- tons of people in this town have been saying that because the free agent class of offensive players is not what it was a year ago, right. and it's not what it was two years ago. So here's an idea: Why don't you trade Brian Wu or Bryce Miller, absolutely, and go out and get a bat, and then sign Blake Snell to take that guy's spot in the rotation? I will tell you this. What I've heard about Blake Snell and the Mariners, there's been no contact whatsoever. None and he's between interested. those two sides. Uh, he's totally interested. 100% well, interested. I think that the value of Brian Wu, I, I love your starting rotation, save 
Miller and Wu. I think if you want to put Miller and Wu in the bullpen and create setup guys out of them, maybe potential closers out of them, okay, right. that's fine. Right. But if you want to leave them in the starting rotation, I think you're better off trading them because I think their value is pretty high right now, and I don't think it's going to get any higher because mm-hmm. I'm concerned that those guys really can't deliver second, third, and fourth pitches. I think yeah, they might I be one-trick ponies. I just I don't want to get rid of Castillo, Kirby, or Logan Gilbert. I, no, I, I, no. I, I think no. you're a fool if you trade any of those guys. I mean, you've got a chance to recreate. I'm not going to say it's Glavin, Maddox, and Smoltz because all three of those guys are in the Hall of Fame. I mean, that's crazy, right? But can you get close to that? Can you get maybe perennial all-stars, right, and perennial Cy Young candidates out of these guys? Absolutely, right? I mean, you got to keep that threesome together. So this is this is what happens when you neglect the free agent class for years. Then you're left at the end of the day when you think you have a chance to win with not having any other choice but to trade from a surplus of strength to address a weakness. And they did this back in the day with Jesus Montero and Michael Pineda. And it pissed me off then, and it pisses me off now. Pineda didn't work out like I thought he would, and Jesus Montero didn't work out like we thought he would. He was good at eating ice cream sandwiches, though. He was. He was good at throwing ice cream sandwiches. (laughs) None of those guys really did what we thought they would do. But the fact that you had no choice then... But to take a young guy like Pineda, who we thought was going to be a stud at the time, and move him for a bat because you could not go sign one, I hate that. Mm -hmm. I don't like that about this franchise. I don't want to have to have that be the only avenue I've got to going out and getting offense. I want to keep my rotation together. You know what I would love to do? I'd love to have those three guys and Bryce Miller and Brian Wu. That'd be awesome to have all five of those guys together. But I also need offense. So the fact that we're sitting here and the only way that we can do this is to give up a part of what I think might be the best rotation in baseball, it kind of bums me out. No, I, I, I think that's totally fair. And I, I just I don't think we're going down the same road as we did with Felix Hernandez, where he's going to be an all-star caliber player for a decade and not make the playoffs. I don't think that Julio Rodriguez has seen his one and only playoff series in the next decade because, let's face it, it's easier to make the playoffs now than it was before. Yeah, right. And I think Jerry Depoto is really good at building a, a roster that's good enough to compete for the playoffs. He's proven that. He's gone 90-90-90 in the last three years. I mean, that is good enough to complete Pete for a playoff spot. But good enough ain't to enough get to the Yeah, to get to the next yeah. level, yeah. you got to invest more. Well... I don't know what to say, man. I mean, they they haven't done it like I would have liked, you know. I mean, they haven't done it the way I think a lot of Mariner fans would have liked. I like Mitch Hanniger as a player. I just can't trust the guy to stay healthy. And the fact that we were sitting here a year ago, 14 months ago at this time in like November of last year, December, saying that, hey, this is Teoscar Hernandez is a great uh, upgrade because you cannot go into 2023 with Mitch Haniger as your everyday right fielder because the guy can't stay healthy. We can pull our thoughts mm-hmm. from last year, and we can play them on the air. And now that Mitch Haniger's back, all of a sudden, it's okay. All of a sudden, those concerns that we had a year ago aren't concerns anymore, which I find to be ludicrous, totally ridiculous. We're going to break. Seren Petro going to join us from Kansas City next on 93.3 KJRFM. Let's get to our next guest joining us right now on the radio show. He's always busy. So he's got a radio show, podcast, TV show. He's doing something. He's a star in Kansas City. Our friend Seren Petro is with us on the radio program. Seren, how are you, man? Uh, Better after that introduction. Uh, Better after that introduction. (laughs) Well, let me ask you this. How long have you been doing radio for in Kansas City now? Uh, Well, uh, the better part of 30 years. Okay. If I would have told you 20 years ago, 15 years ago, hell, 10 years ago, you're going to cover the Chiefs in six straight AFC Conference Championship <laughs> games. Would you have ever, ever bought that for that franchise? No, no chance. Uh, having been a, a guy that, you know, was going to games uh, as a season ticket holder with my mom, you know, all the way back to the 70s, no success like that was ever had. I mean, we were talking about a franchise that before Patrick Mahomes, you know, we talk about, you know, heralded, vaunted uh, Arrowhead Stadium, two playoff wins in Arrowhead Stadium hmm. in its entire existence before Patrick Mahomes arrived with the Kansas City Chiefs. No way. We, we, we thought playoff wins were 
you know, the most golden thing you could possibly have. We didn't realize. We thought it was the hardest thing in the world to do. No, I would have never thought this. Well, I'll ask you a, a similar question. I'll just twist it a little bit. If you had to spend, if you knew you were going to have to spend the first 20 years of your radio career covering a team that never made the Super Bowl, never had any stretches at all, but I was going to guarantee you from years like 20 to 30, you were going to have the greatest quarterback maybe known to man ever. Would you sign up for that? Yeah, I would. And, and I'll tell you why, because I, I know what, you know, the game days are like, you know, everybody comes to my house as, as it is right now. We get together and it's, it's an event every single week, but even just like listeners, you know, folks that I, I don't go out to the games anymore, but the ones that do, you know, we still get calls. Like are, are the fans spoiled? Yes. Do they have un, uh, unrealistic expectations? That, like if this team doesn't make the Super Bowl. This year's a, a loss. Yes, they've become spoiled and say things like that. But we also take lots of calls of people that say, you know, I, I was I was thrilled when they took a quarterback. I was thrilled for Patrick Mahomes. I was thrilled that first season when we saw him throw for 5,050 yards, right. uh, 50 touchdowns in one year. But I never knew it would be this good. I, so I think the fan base is still kind of overwhelmed with the fact that every year, every game, even if he loses, the game is almost always very entertaining. And they almost always have a chance to win it even on the nights that they don't have their a game and so no i think there is still very much an appreciation i think that long time in between success and in between franchise quarterbacks from len dawson to patrick mahomes there is still very much an appreciation for what's yeah. going on now well seren petro 810 whb kansas city is with us and i remember about a month and a half ago people were at least from what i heard i mean you're there so you would tell us but there seemed to be a little bit of growing frustration with the Travis Kelsey Tay Tay thing. This is going to be the death of us. She's a distraction. He doesn't play well because he's thinking about her, blah, blah, blah. Where are we at with all that Kelsey Tay Tay drama now? Yeah, that, that's all pretty much gone away. In fact, Andy Reid was asked about it today at his uh, uh, press conference. You know, like, you know, did you ever worry about it? No, he never worried about it. Has it ever been a distraction? He said, no. That's how Travis Kelsey's wired. He's always, you know, ha- been a guy that's got a life away from football. But when it's time to play football, he's just prepared and ready to go as anybody. Now, that, that's great for Andy Reid to say it. I, he's never flown to, you know, Buenos Aires uh, on a bye week before uh, to see his girl work. Right? Like, so I can tell you, it is different. Uh, this time, it's not like just you know when he's done different things in the off season, but he is very serious about football. And he he works very hard at it, and I, and I think the you know the Taylor Swift thing. Were there people that were upset? Yes, there are probably people that either don't like music or they they don't like Taylor Swift for whatever reason. And and you know the the bah humbugs like you know can we just watch football? Now there are other people that think it's fantastic, like my wife, like my daughters, like like millions of women who now watch Kansas City Chiefs games that weren't. Trust me, the NFL doesn't mind it. The Kansas City Chiefs don't mind it. Yeah. And uh, I, for me, I, I think it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I, I think it's great. Have you had a chance to meet her yet? Like, I mean, do you, do you rub elbows? Have you walked by her in the, <laughs> in the bowels of the stadium yet? No, I, I was today and going out. They move up to the stadium for the conference championship games, and the NFL kind of takes hold of uh, all the media things, and they run everything. So we were back in the big stadium theater as opposed to the, the smaller place where we usually do it down at the practice facility. And uh, one of the elevators wasn't working. They said, well, we'll take you up on the Taylor Swift elevator. Mm. So I've been on the elevator (laughs) up to her suite. But no, I have yet to meet Taylor Swift. Why do you think it is that cities like Seattle and Kansas City and the NFL can overcome their geography and be the most popular teams in the country? I mean, Seattle was that way for a couple, three years. Kansas City's been that way for the last three or four years. Winning basketball and baseball it better be L.A., it better be Boston, it better be New York, or you don't really matter even if you're really good. I think it's because the NFL supersedes all other sports, and so you immediately become a national phenomenon. I I think the money can be made no matter where you are. Aaron Rodgers was doing State Farm commercials out of Little Green Bay, Wisconsin, right? Now Patrick Mahomes is doing them and seemingly every other commercial uh, out of Kansas City. Travis Kelsey's doing national commercials. You know, the idea that you need a New York City car dealer to be able to make some extra change on the side is irrelevant. Uh, the NFL is so big that you're a national and even to some degree an international star, and you're able to make the same kind of money that those other sports make in yep. big markets. You can make it in a small market. The NFL just trumps all. Uh, Seren Petro, WHB Chiefs Raven Sunday. So how surprised would you be, Seren, if the Chiefs lost and, 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 and lost comfortably, right? Like, not hammered. Nobody's saying Baltimore wins by 50. But it's not really a game. They're never really in it. 
uh, fourth quarter comes around, you have a major hole to climb out of. How, how surprised would you be if, if Baltimore won this game rather comfortably? Yeah, I'd be pretty surprised since it's only happened three or four times in Patrick Mahomes' career. The Titans did it once. The, the Broncos did it once this year. Uh, but for the most part, even when they lose, they lose by one score. I mean, it, it, he went a long time, three, four years before he ever lost a game by more than one score. And then, then he hit the Bucks in the in the Super Bowl. And for a regular season, I don't remember which game was the first. He lost to the Titans like 27-3. They just had a dismal day uh, down in Nashville one time. But it doesn't happen very often. So I, I would be surprised. Listen, full disclosure, I'm picking the Ravens to win 24-17. I, mm. I think they are the, mm-hmm. the best team in the NFL. I think Lamar Jackson has raised his game. But this Chiefs team, if they're – you know, maybe they're not number one. They're two, three, or four as far as it goes. And if they have a day and a couple of things go their way, they absolutely can beat the Baltimore Ravens. I, I expect them to be within a score. I think they need to play from in front. This isn't the kind of game where they can spot the Ravens 14 nothing and think that they're just going to roar back the way they have in the past because they just don't have that kind of offensive firepower. But I would be very surprised if the Ravens went out and dominated this game. But mm. you mentioned it in, in, in your news segment. Joe Tooney going down against... This Ravens defense, yep. that doesn't help, right? And, and that would be one of the recipes. If they can't control that Raven defensive line, that's what got them against Tampa Bay was they just could not handle the rush with four backup offensive linemen. And, and I think that would be the recipe for a Ravens double-digit win this time. Is that the number one key matchup? What else are you looking for that, that we should look at as just casual fans watching the game as far as a matchup that could uh, you know play an in- interesting part in the who wins this game? I think, you know, how do they, how do they, you know, who do they choose to try to take away on offense? Last week, the Buffalo Bills chose, I think for the first time we saw a team try to take away Rashi Rice out of the passing game. The Chiefs are going to throw it. I mean, they're, they're running it better. They want to run the ball. They know they need to run the ball to help set up their other stuff. And Isaiah Pacheco, uh, they're going to have to give him the ball. And whether it's successful or not, he's still going to have to, you know, pound away at it just to keep them honest on that. But I think how they go to take away Rashi Rice or Travis Kelsey. Last week, you know, Rice was the key. And, Kelsey had 70-some-odd yards, but two touchdowns, and Patrick Mahomes actually missed him on, a, on another touchdown that, that could have been there. So, you know, Kelsey beat them. Do they have with, you know, Hamilton, a guy that they can take Travis Kelsey out, and then with Humphreys, a guy who can also really remove Rasheed Rice? If you can do that, you beat the Chiefs because their wide receivers have been a problem all year long. MVS, Marquez Valdez-Scantling stepped up with a couple of big catches. He's yeah. been MIA really for the better part of two years. Showed up big in the AFC championship game last year against the Bengals and maybe he's just going to be Frank Clark Like Frank Clark would have six sacks in the regular season and then you know lead the, the postseason in sacks he's I think the second leading sacker in postseason history uh, now because he always came up big for the Chiefs and the Seahawks uh, when he when he was you know in the postseason he was just a big game guy maybe that's what MBS is going to prove to yeah. me but you know after that Kadarius Tony, I think they I don't think he's hurt I think they just don't trust him and won't play him Sky Moore doesn't play anymore you know, they, they, will, they will be in trouble if the Ravens can put two guys on those two players because then everybody else can account for Patrick Mahomes. Hey, uh, is this the best defense that Mahomes has had since he's been there? By, yeah, by far, but it still needs help, right? It's, you know, I tell people, they're like, well, we got a defense. That's why we're going to win. I'm like, well, yeah, you, you got the best defense you've had in the Patrick Mahomes era, and you also have the worst record you've had in the Patrick Mahomes era because the defense will wear down. If the offense can't get it done, we've seen games, you know, the Raiders scored, I think it was 20 points on the Chiefs, 14 of it were direct results of offensive problems. A pick six and then a fumble down around their own 20. Uh, the defense really only gave up six points, but they lost the game uh, because eventually they wore down and they gave up another touchdown finally late in the fourth quarter. So, yes, it's the best defense, but it can't be out there for 42 minutes, right? They, they're going to have to get some time on the bench, which means they're going to have to move the football on offense. They're going to have to control the clock, and they got to play a little bit different. they got to play some ball control, whether it's not necessarily running the ball, but just making sure their rhythm passes, the clock is ticking. You know, it used to be the Chiefs wanted as many possessions as they could get because the more possessions, the more likely they were to score touchdowns with Patrick Mahomes. They're not that efficient anymore, and they can't have that defense out there too long. So it's not just being good on offense. It's being efficient on offense and giving their defense a break so that the defense can be all that it is. It's very good. They're good on all three levels, particularly if Willie Gay plays, and there was some good news on him uh, this week that he would be back in there after injuring his neck last week. but. They're very good. Their secondary is outstanding. Uh, they'll give fits to the Ravens. They can get after the quarterback up front, uh, but they can't do it for 40 minutes. Well, I'm looking at how you guys have done this year against mobile quarterbacks, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, you, you've held Josh Allen, Justin Fields, Jalen Hurts, 
pretty much in check on the ground. So can that translate to Lamar Jackson? Yeah, you know, Allen had a lot of third down runs last week. He's a different style runner. It's a power runner. And yes, I think it can. And they have given uh, fits to Lamar Jackson at times. They've also been beaten by him. Last time they played in 21, I think it was 36-35. And, you know, the Chiefs had a chance to win it, but a uh, Clyde edwards their fumble uh, gave it, you know, they didn't get a chance to get the field goal uh, to try to win it, but they gave it 35 points. I mean, you know, Lamar Jackson, I think, has gotten better as a passer. And I think it's kind of a pick your poison. How do the Chiefs want to do it? Do they spy? Is that the plan? Is Willie Gay or Drew Tranquil the guy for that? And they, they're just going to dedicate one guy to making sure that he doesn't come out of the pocket. We've seen them do that a little bit. Usually what Steve Spagnuolo likes to do is show you a little bit of everything. Sometimes they'll be a spy. Sometimes they'll blitz off the edge with a corner. Um, you know, they'll come up the middle with, with Nick Bolton and play contain with all the defensive linemen. The, the one thing they've got is, in addition to being a, 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 a pretty talented team with some really good players, two great corners, Chris Jones, a great pass rusher, smart linebackers, athletic linebackers, but they're, they're smart as well. And they're guys that can handle a large volume yeah. of play calls and show a lot of different things. And so I think you'll see a lot of different looks out of that Chiefs defense. The Kansas City Chiefs have been to the conference championship six times in the last 30 years. The Cowboys have been there no times in the last 30. It's ridiculous what your franchise is doing. Hey, how's my boy McDuffie doing out there, man? He is absolutely fantastic. They love him. You know, Legereus Sneed was the guy who traveled with the number one receiver this year, but that's because really he showed that he could handle their nickel slot. I he lines up in the base defense. He's not just a nickelback. He's a starter. But he moves inside because they love his ability to blitz and they love his ability to tackle. He is tough as nails. You know, he's the one guy that doesn't fit. They're very much a profile guy, uh, profile team on, on their corners. They like the 5'11 plus long corners. And he's not really as long as the other corners, but he's so sticky in coverage. He's so tough and so physical. Uh, Kansas City loves him. Steve Spagnolo loves him. And he has allowed them to let, let Legereus Sneed be all that he can be because he is so diverse. He's a great pass rusher as well. I think he had two sacks yeah. in one game this year. His diversity uh, has been uh, just just a you know the thing that actually I think took this defense to a whole nother level. All right, uh, tell him Dick Fain says he owes him money. All right, when you see him next. <laughs> all right, pal. Appreciate it, man. I, I will do it. All I right, Seren Petro, WHB in Kansas City.